Welcome back to Talking True Crime. We're, we've been following the case of Nicola Bully, who was last seen on the 27th of January. That's two weeks today. Very shortly, we'll be going live to the scene with a development that has happened this morning. And Abigail Beanie will be bringing that us from the Lancashire Telegraph. But before we do that, I just want to set the scene. Let's go back to the very beginning, in the very early days, in terms of what the police were speaking about and what their appeal was about. This is going to play a very quick conference that Superintendent Riley gave in the very early days. So I'm here today to uh, appeal for witnesses in the case of Nicola Bully. This is a 45-year-old lady from the local area who sadly went missing last Friday morning at about 9.15am. She was last seen walking her small brown dog on the towpath of the river wire. Uh, the dog was found about an hour later, as was her mobile phone. So her family are very concerned, as are we. We've mounted a really um, intensive operation to try and find Nicola, including a number of specialist officers from our Northwest Underwater Regional Search Unit and uh, specialist investigators who are supporting the family, as well as a lot of partners like Boland Mountain Rescue, Lancashire Fire and Rescue and others, uh, and the Coast Guard. We thank them very much, uh, as well as local people who've turned out in force. So that was a very early press conference from Superintendent Riley. Let's just be clear and, and explain who Superintendent Riley is. Superintendent Riley is leading the visual, the, the, the media freight face of the police. Behind the scenes, there is a senior investigating officer, and that person is in charge of really coordinating the whole of the operation. It isn't being considered to be a suspicious investigation. It is a missing persons investigation. They've ruled out and eliminated all elements of it being suspicious. They are still working on the hypothesis that Nicola went into the water. That is not something that the family agree with. It's not something that they believe has happened. So let's go right to the scene now. There has been a development this morning. I'm now going to speak to uh, Abigail Beanie, who is from the Lancashire Telegraph. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us. What are the latest developments this morning? So this morning um, we've had police continuing to search the river. Um, I'm actually up at Shardbridge now uh, where efforts are. They're obviously moving their way from um, St Michael's on Wire down to Morecambe Bay um, where they are just trying to follow and hopefully find some trace of Nicola in the water. Um, earlier this morning, friends and family were out in St Michael's on Wire with posters and hoping that people might get their memory jogged um, and that people might remember something ha that happened that morning that set felt originally just as a minor, um, minor incident that they never thought about at the time. Um, and I think everyone's just hoping that efforts this morning might just get a little bit closer to finding Nicola. Thanks, Abigail. Let's just bring in Jodie. Jodie, just play a couple of those clips from this morning. Keep, keep it all alive. Keep people going, tracking memories, you know, just making sure that there is something out there. There is someone that's got this footage or, you know, know something. Somebody's got to know something. She can't be in the river. So I guess it's just... Um... If you were in and around the area of St Michael's on Wire, did you see anything? Do you have any dash cam, any footage of just driving through the centre of the village? Um, please get in touch with the police. You may think it's, you know, it's not important, but let the police decide that. 
Abigail, so this is a massive story. This is a story that has gripped the attention of the world and so much so that even we've got some followers from Canada uh, who have joined us. How big a story is this for the people of Lancashire? This is a really big story. I mean, St. Michael's on Wire is a small little remote village um, in in Fylde and it, people just don't expect crime to happen um, or anything like this, a, a missing person of this um, sort of volume to, to happen in such a small village. It's really gripped the nation um, as a whole. I think the circumstances are just so unusual. Um, you know, she's a loving mother of two. Um, she's got a husband at home uh, and, of course, a family and friends that all love her dearly um, and are really hoping for her to come home. Um, the, her mobile phone was found on a bench connected to a team's call still and her dog was found loose. And of course, there's just such odd circumstances that people can't quite put together what they think has has happened. And it really has gripped um, everybody in the country. And if obviously you say uh, potentially even around the world. And of course, one of the reasons why this has gripped people's attention so much is because people just don't know what's happened. You know, there's this view that the police have come up with, which is their working hypothesis is that she's fallen in the water. And of course, there have been searches both by the police, mountain rescue, fire and rescue. And indeed, Peter Falling from Specialist Group International joined them this week to try and help them uh, and use his advanced technology, sonar technology. Abigail, in terms of the next steps for police, they said they were coming to search an area behind you this morning. That's really where the focus is now. They've kind of pushed it downstream very much towards the opening into the sea. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, obviously, police have been searching now in the water for two weeks and um, they've had teams out every single day. And of course, the uh, specialist team has been out as well and they've thoroughly searched the area of the river where it's believed that Nicola has fallen in, um, which is why efforts are obviously continuing to move up the river um, in case she has sadly um, sort of been taken by the current. Uh, so, so search teams have been here this morning um, and they are continuing to search the river area and just hoping that um, something might be found very soon. Jodie, just pop that picture back up again, just so that uh, viewers can get an understanding of, of the distance that she would have had to have travelled. If we can hold that, I don't know if you can hold it, but look at that distance. That's some distance to be travelling downstream uh, to make it towards the sea. And of course, to be able to be travelling downstream, the chances of somebody walking along a riverbank and seeing her were probably quite significant over the period of the last two weeks, especially bearing in mind that this has received some huge national attention. I know Peter Folding, who I've spoken to again this morning, uh, is is very confident the areas that he searched that she isn't in, but was also you know, very clearly believing that it's unlikely that she's travelled that far. And I know my experience of working with him and his team, which is quite considerable in water, to travel that distance is is very rare. I don't know if you've been in contact or had any dealings with the family, Abigail, but for them, this must be a terrible moment. Yes, I've not had any personal dealings with the family, um, but this must be so, so difficult for 
Paul and of course for Nicola's two little girls as well it must just be hard knowing um, that something has happened to her and they don't know what and there's so many people that are coming up with theories that of course are not assisting the police potentially in any way um, police want to be looking at hard evidence rather than what people are thinking and uh, any anything that they might consider could have happened to Nicola of course the family are also asking people to sort of stop coming to the area it's becoming a bit of a morbid tourist destination some have described it as um, people are, are coming and trespassing in places um, and that, that must be really difficult for the family among all the stress that they're already under um, with not knowing what's happened to Nicola. And that's a very fair point, Abigail, because we know, and certainly I've covered some of the largest crimes over the last few decades, we know that areas attract people when they become you know, almost infamous in some way because of the nature of what's taken place there. Uh, that is always causes a problem for the locals because the locals not only want to get on with their life, but also having people come into the area who are there for no genuine purpose other than just simply because they want to you know, see what's going on, be a bit nosy. There have actually been uh, situations where the police now have had to take formal action, haven't they, in relation to particularly individuals who have tried to break into... Yes, so on Thursday evening, officers, uh, sorry, on Wednesday evening, um, officers did have to put a dispersal notice in place. Um, it's believed that five people from the Liverpool area travelled uh, to St Michael's on Wire and uh, attempted to look in a property in the area. Um, of course, that's uh, something which the police have said very clearly that they will not tolerate. They won't tolerate people breaking into other properties. Of course, they appreciate that people are interested and want to know and want to help find Nicola. Um, but these these kind of uh, these kind of ways of going about it are just not what the police deem to be acceptable. And the window of opportunity, which is something the police have talked about, they've talked about a 10 minute window of opportunity. But I just want to kind of put that into some context. What we do know is that the phone was found around about half past on the bench. We don't know, of course, whether that phone was just simply picked up and put there uh, or whether or not. Um, she put it there at Nicola herself. But the situation is that it wasn't until another two hours later that she was reported missing. So whilst they talk about a window of opportunity being 10 minutes, the reality is it is well over two hours because there was no, no knowledge of her for the period of time after the 9.30 and the phone call uh, ending and the phone being found on the bench and two hours later for her being reported. So when one talks of a, two hour, a 10 minute window of opportunity, actually that's a two hour window of opportunity. Abigail, just give me a sense of the community. What's that like? The community um, are really coming together in, in this. Um, it, it's really everyone's come out and they're trying to do their best and trying to do what they can uh, while also assisting the police. The, the community seem to be thankful for everything that the police have done um, and their efforts. And of course, the efforts of the specialist diving team that have come in as well um, and are doing everything they can to try and find Nicola. Uh, but of course, the community is is hurting and uh, it's very difficult time for them. Um, they're, they're not used to this kind of this kind of thing happening where they're from they're not used to having journalists appearing all the time um, and having police on their doorstep every moment of the day for the past two weeks so it must be very distressing for everybody that lives in the area absolutely well, stay with me abigail i just want to talk a little bit about peter fording and sgi uh, the group they 
came in today. Peter offered his help initially to Lancashire Police, who said no. Uh, and then he was in contact with the family who urged him to come up. And there was coordination between the family and the police. And as a result, Peter brought his highly experienced team up to the area to do some searches. He has done some searches. It took a took him a number of days. And ultimately, they were unable to find Nicola in the areas that they were searching. One of the people that he was very closely in contact with uh, was the partner and also the sister. And this is the partner coming back to the scene to speak with Peter. Well, I was with Paul and the um, Nicola's sister and, um, you know, husband today and obviously extremely sad and upset. And, and Paul wanted to have a look at the potential entry point, you know, where the phone was found. And um, I took him along and, and that was quite emotional, to be honest with you. You know, he's in tears. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a nice thing to do, to sit with a sort of a, a grieving family, really. It's, mm. it's quite upsetting. And I had to sort of hold back the tears a bit at some stage. It was not it was not particularly not a thing I enjoy doing, but unfortunately I have to do it quite a lot. Um, and we we chatted. He was about here about four hours with me today uh, because we we completed our searches. So we were just generally chatting about things and you know about Nicola and everything else. And obviously that's that's personal thing, but uh, yeah, we're just trying to get to the bottom of everything. One of the things that always occurs in a major instance is, particularly where a family involved, is the police will put in what's called a family liaison officer. You know, they really were born out of the James Bolger abduction uh, when very much there was a need to coordinate with the family through to the police. So I know that there are family liaison officers working with the family. And they are there as a direct contact, really, between the senior investigating officer, so the person leading the police investigation, and the family, because there is a need, obviously, to share information back and forth between both parties and to glean information. It's been really important for them to spend time speaking to all the direct family members and friends to ascertain a state of mind, to find out whether Nicola obviously had an intention to leave or whether there was anything going on in her life, any concerns or any anything like that at all, which would give an indication. And those family liaison officers have been also supporting the family because I can tell you, having worked across many murders, many major investigations, is that families are suddenly thrown into the spotlight. It's a point of crisis. And of course, they've no experience of how to deal with that. And for them, it's a, a huge problem. One of the things that often plays out is sometimes a discrepancy between the family and also between the police. Uh, and the police will very much want to control information I'm certainly aware of situations where there's been a slight disagreement between the police and the family because a family have wanted to make comment and the police have told them not to or certainly asked them not to in a very persuasive way. Uh, it sometimes means that the family feel they don't have a voice because it's being led by the police. And one of the situations certainly that the family in this case have been very clear to say is that they have no reason why she should end up in the water. There's no indication that she would walk close to the water's edge. And I know uh, having had someone very close to the family who has talked to me this morning, uh, who has told me that the family are very convinced and it's a very convincing position that they hold is that there was nothing going on in Nicola's life. She didn't leave 
Nothing is missing from the house. No passport, no money has been taken, no clothes have been taken. She had every intention to uh, to come back. She booked a spa day or intended to go on a spa day with her, with her sister. So everything was organized for the future. There wasn't any indication that she had any thoughts of leaving. And in fact, the family are very clear from their point of view is that that um, there's no way that she would have left and that therefore if she's not in the water, which is obviously the police's hypothesis, then there has to be a suspicious third party element to this. Uh, and that is particularly, I think, where their focus and thoughts are this morning. They're very much wanting the police to continue with the search, to search the land, to start searching properties, garden sheds, yeah, outbuildings, derelict buildings, and obviously the land itself, so the fields and the woods that do surround that area. Let's go back to Abigail at the sea. Now, Abigail, this looks like it's going to continue for some time. Yes, uh, I I would agree with you there. Um, unfortunately for Nicola's family, it does, it does appear um, that we are potentially no closer yet to finding Nicola uh, than we were at the start of the search. Uh, but obviously everybody is, is hopeful for a resolution as soon as possible. Um, I think the, the community in um, St Michael's on Wire and the whole country potentially needs some, some answers and some closure on this when, when that's possible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very sad situation. And of course, there have now been people online who have made all kinds of suspicions and you know have got an opinion. I think one of the problems with cases like this is it, it encourages individuals, obviously, to fill that void. When the police don't share information on a daily basis or don't update or they aren't being totally detailed in terms of what they're doing which is absolutely understandable. It's, it's totally right that the police should conduct a, le a level of their investigation confidentially. Uh, so much so, in fact, that the family and the friends will also be kept in the dark around certain things. The police won't be sharing everything with them. They'll be keeping a certain amount of information very close to their chest. What's interesting, of course, in this case, is the police have been very clear to say that they don't believe there are any circumstances. So that will mean that they are being much more open with the family in terms of sharing. I don't know if you've seen some of the coverage uh, on the social media and perhaps even through to your paper, the Lancashire Telegraph, but there's been some pretty vile comments from people. Yes, there really has been some vile comments. Um, and at, at a time that's so distressing, it's the last thing that the family need is to be for people um, on social media who have no links to the area, no links to Nicola, no links to the family or the investigation at all, to be coming up with uh, theories that are really quite uh, quite horrible to read um, and, and theories that potentially involve people that are trying to come to terms with the fact that Nicola isn't around uh, and that, that something's obviously unfortunately potentially happened to her um, whatever that may be and it's, it's just not acceptable at all that people are coming up with these kind of theories of course the police have asked people to stop speculating on social media um, and sort of stressed how difficult it is for people to be reading that um, that are close to Nicola and just want her home safely. Absolutely and of course social media 
and technology means that almost anybody can be a broadcaster. Anybody has a platform through social media mm -hmm. to say what they want. And one thing that certainly appeared over the recent days, which is very troubling, is people using hashtags. I mean, there was indeed a, a hashtag that was used on TikTok about uh, Nicola being found, which, which generated a huge amount of interest. Of course, it was only done you know, in a way to to try and generate interest for that person who posted it, but in a nefarious and, and totally wrong way, which, of course, is going to cause huge upset. What we do know about investigations that particularly play out in the media, as this one is, is that the public will follow it. I, I know certainly when I was covering Madeleine McCann's story in the very early days over in Portugal, is that Jerry and Kate were following the media, in fact, so much so that, Jerry, that Kate walked up behind me on one occasion and said to me, please stop using the word uh, Maddie. She won't understand uh, if she sees anything in the papers or the news that it relates to her. Uh, and so they do follow it. And, and certainly they'll be watching the news headlines. They'll be watching and uh, reading the newspaper coverage. Uh, and I know that certainly they'll be watching this evening's coverage on Channel 5, which I will be going to myself very shortly, uh, who are doing a special in relation to this case. Some people will ask the question, why? Why are you covering this when there are so many other missing people out there? And of course, they've got a fair point. But of course, not every case can be covered. There are some that grip the attention far more than others. And, and sometimes that is simply in relation to the individual, you know, their, their ethnicity, where they come from. And whilst that might be uncomfortable for some to hear, it is very true. The other things, of course, is that the way and the circumstances in which somebody disappears or something happens to them will often generate that interest and, and indeed abigail i think that's where we are here because we simply do not know people don't just vanish but we just don't know what's happened to her which has caused people to become so fascinated with this case of course people don't just vanish into thin air um, as you've just said it's it's a very uh, captivating case i think for people that have been reading and uh, following along with uh, updates from ourselves as the media and the police as well. Um, the circumstances, as we've said at the start of this video, um, are so unusual um, with her mobile phone being left still connected to a team's call with work, with her dog uh, being left and with the harness off and the lead off. I think that these the circumstances in, in this case, she's a loving mother of two little girls at home that desperately want her home. She's got a husband, she's got friends and she's got family um, that all miss her dearly. And of course, I think that is potentially what has captivated the nation a bit more. They've, they've not considered uh, that something like this could happen to somebody like Nicola. Absolutely. And of course, Lancashire Police themselves have said it's a very safe area. You know, I've been slightly critical of that because even the safest of areas, crime happens to, happens in. And in particular, you know, sometimes the sleepiest and the quietest of places do become subject to the most serious and the most violent of, of crimes. Let's look at some of the questions that are coming in. So, Jamil, you've been taking a look at some of those questions that are coming in. Um, obviously, there are people who've got strong views. We have to be very careful in terms of the ones that we cover. Jamil, just give me a sense of a couple of those questions. Hi, Mark. Yeah, lots of um, prayers and wishes coming in today from all around the world. Uh, as you mentioned, Canada and even South Africa as well. Um, we have a, a, a more of a statement here which says we should get all Dascam uh, from the area around the time, even if it is nothing. 
Um, we've got a question that says, how easy is it for the body to go over that weir? Some people are still asking questions about the the river. Um, also, uh, have the police indicate, indicated whether they will be giving another press conference anytime soon? Um, and also, has any article of clothing been found? So well, those are the questions now. Let me deal with the first and the, and the last one. I'll bring you in, Abigail, for the, for the uh, second one. So could she have gone over the weir? So let's describe the weir. So the weir is a position where uh, water breaks over a, a barrier. And then beyond that, as you can see now from the shots, beyond that is pebbles. It's, it's very shallow there. And in fact, that distance of pebbles runs for quite some way. Uh, and whilst the water was at a higher level, it certainly wasn't a position where somebody could actually travel over that. That's highly unlikely she would have got caught in that. Uh, there's also a position whereby uh, down the bank, so we've talked a lot about, and you can see from the pictures there where that bench is, uh, from the bank, from the bench, when you get into the water, that is stones. There are stones down the bank. So had she have fallen or gone into that river she would have gone into uh, stones there's some distance before it ends goes into a deeper deeper area so if she were to have traveled down that bank to recover a ball or something like that the police have suggested that she maybe have gone in there to try and recover something for the dog of course they don't know that that's total supposition uh, and in it, because of the dog of course can't tell them anything Imagine if it could, you know, so many in these circumstances when you've got either young children there or animals there, you know, if they could only speak, you would be able to solve many, many more crimes. Of course, that's not reality. So you have to piece it together themselves. But I know speaking to Peter, he says very clearly that it's highly unlikely that she would have been able to fall into the to the uh, water from that bench area because there were stones below. Dealing with the point in terms of clothing, no clothing has been found in relation to any of the searches in the water. Abigail, in relation to a press conference, we had one uh, yesterday, but but have you any information that there's likely to be another one today ahead of the weekend? We have had information from the police and there isn't going to be a, a press conference today. Um, so we won't be receiving any more uh, information from the police uh, directly that way. Of course, there might be updates that come through the media team um, and are reported, but no no press conference expected. Just before I go back to you, Jamil, Jodie, can you just have a look at the press conference, the, the last press conference? I just want to play the clips where uh, Superintendent Riley is talking in terms of the levels of inquiries, the, the 500 outstanding inquiries and the 700 drivers they're trying to trace. Jamil, any other questions? Yeah, one of the one of the th um, the topics that a lot of people are discussing in the comments is what is the next steps if nothing is found out at sea? What are the what are the next steps that police are going to take? So obviously, I'm not party to the police investigation that will be being kept, you know, within the police structure. Even you know Peter Fordy, who was up there, Specialist Group International, they were provided with certain information. Uh, there'll be a tight knit team, a senior command, who will obviously be being told a certain amount, and then uh, the officers. There will most probably be daily briefings, maybe two briefings. Certainly, in major investigations, there's often a briefing in the morning and a briefing in the afternoon, and actions given. And so, let me just break it down in terms of terminology. 
So an inquiry is, is set out. So police uh, start an investigation and depending on the size of it, and in this case, huge media attention, that will require significant resources because people will phone up, people will send emails in, giving pieces of information, snippets, maybe something's happened to them, maybe they've got some pieces of information, uh, something they saw on the day, or just a general thought that they want to provide to the police to say it may connect. Those will come into the incident room, they will then be recorded, uh, and then it will go through to, oh, they will be running this on a home system. So the home office, large major inquiry system, they will then take those inquiries in and there'll be an allocator uh, and there will be a supervisor who oversees that. They will look at it and they will prioritize. It will triage to see whether those inquiries require urgent attention or whether or not they can be done in slow time. And also, of course, whether they link to other ongoing inquiries at the moment. Those are then called actions. They're given to officers to then go and carry out. And we often refer to a TIE, which is trace, interview and eliminate. So they may do that in relation to specific individuals. Uh, so those actions will be allocated to uh, people. And then we can see that actually the police have allocated or have 500 actions that they talked about the other day. Let's just listen to Superintendent Riley. She talks about that. I want to take you through the unprecedented number of inquiries that the police team has been doing in the last 11 days. We've received literally thousands of pieces of information from the public, the wider community, Nicola's family and friends, which we've been combing through diligently. This means at the moment there are around 500 active pieces of information and lines of inquiry that we're working on to try and find answers for Nicola's family. We have a team of 40 or so detectives under a senior investigating officer working daily to comb through this enormous amount of information. This is normal in a missing person inquiry and does not indicate that there is any suspicious element to this story. The inquiry team remains fully open-minded to any information that may indicate where Nicola is or what happened to her. Some of the, the specific pieces of information and the lines of inquiry that they've been undertaking include house to house in the village, looking at CCTV, the various pieces of dash cam that have been submitted to the inquiry, identifying and tracing and speaking to key witnesses, a number of whom have come into the inquiry and been spoken to and given valuable information. Digital and telephony, this includes Nicola's Fitbit and her mobile phone, which has been uh, fully examined. And we've now identified around 700 vehicles that drove through the village on that morning on the 27th of January at around 9.10, 9.15. And we're in the process of speaking to all of those drivers to try and find out if they have any dash cam footage, what they saw on that day, or anything else that may be of value to the police inquiry. I'm Superintendent Riley talking in terms of the inquiries that are being dealt with in the back end, obviously away from the, uh, the search at the river. 
So one question Nikki uh, Harper has asked is, is it likely another police force would be brought in? Well, Superintendent Riley's talked herself in terms of the fact that there's been a peer review by the National Crime Agency, have looked at it uh, and considered that they are doing the right lines of inquiries. Uh, this will continue. There will most probably be another review uh, of a very short period of time, probably almost, it's normally about two weeks. So there will be another one uh, which will take place. Uh, there will be a senior investigating officer, possibly externally, but certainly with internally, who will be looking at this to consider whether or not there are lines of inquiry that have been missed. And it's very easy because it's very easy when you're a senior investigating officer to become you're totally engrossed in what you're doing and perhaps slightly miss some of the other elements. You become potentially quite subjective in terms of what you're looking at. Of course, that's not what they're trained to do, but it's it's inevitable sometimes that as a senior investigating officer, you form a hypothesis and then you look down the route looking for that. And sometimes you may miss other elements that come into it. So peer reviews are, are really important. Gone are the days where they would refer to bringing in New Scotland Yard, you know, the great train robbery. Oh, let's bring in great New Scotland Yard, all police forces now. Have very experienced senior investigating officers. They all go on the senior command course, uh, and they are very experienced in dealing with major crimes. Some forces better than others, undoubtedly, in terms of the types of crimes that they will deal with. Uh, and Lancashire is one of the very smaller ones. There's no doubt about that. You know, major crime to them is is far less frequent than it would be perhaps to a you know a home counties force such such as Surrey or the Metropolitan Police or Greater Manchester Police. Uh, but they still do have serious crime. And of course, police forces communicate with each other. The senior command course is of the same structure. So individuals, whatever police force you're going from, you are gaining the same experience uh, as officers from the larger forces. So uh, it's very easy for people to say, you know, Lancashire have got this wrong. Lancashire have got some things wrong. There's no doubt about this. There are some learning curves for them, I think, particularly in relation to the way that, that they've given their messages out and handled the media. Uh, but overall, they've done a very good job. They are certainly working tirelessly to try and get answers for Nicola's family in terms of what's happened to them. And sometimes this takes time. You know, there's nothing obvious on the plate for them. They've come up with a hypothesis. That's what they focused on. I think we're seeing now that that will probably run its course and... and um, and we'll get to a position where by, you know, they haven't been able to find Nicholas. I just hope that at that point that they look around and say, well, you know, maybe we got that wrong. That's very unlikely with police forces. One of the criticisms I apply to police forces and senior officers is, is that reluctance to say, you know, maybe I got it wrong. And actually, you know, maybe we need to look somewhere else. That's very rare within police forces. Uh, and of course, nobody in any circumstances really wants to admit they've got it wrong because, you know, that's a very hard thing to do. But what a good thing to do. You know, I'm always critical of, of individuals and, and I will always give praise to senior investigating officers who turn around and say, you know, actually probably went down the wrong path there. Maybe we got that wrong. So. There's a television programme tonight, Channel 5. I'm very shortly heading up to London to be on that. I know that Peter Folding's there. And there will also be uh, an involvement from very close uh, either family or friends who are going to, to be talking. It has hit the news worldwide. This is a story that, uh, that will keep going on. And hopefully, very soon, the family will get some answers. Of course, they're the ones that are living with this torment and this pain every day. Abigail, thank you so much for covering this. I hopefully will get you back again. From now on, of course, this is the unknown. We don't know what those next stages are. But for you and for your readers and for the people of the village, this is heartache ongoing. 
it is heartache ongoing and um, I think everybody really wants some answers and just uh, some sort of clue as to what might have happened to Nicola two weeks ago today uh, when she went missing and of course we at the Lancashire Telegraph we will keep all of our readers as up to date as possible um, as soon as we receive any information from the police about what could have happened to her. Brilliant thank you so much Abigail look after yourself you can now go and, and warm up it looks very cold there. It is rather cold. Thank you ever so much. Thank you, Abigail. Take care. So that's our coverage today in relation to the disappearance of Nicola Bully. Thank you for joining. And thank you for participating and sending us your questions. I'm very shortly heading up to London. Do follow us on our NewsQuest website, both in terms of the coverage. You can also follow me. Uh, and my coverage in relation to this case. Uh, and I will update you through the course of the day and obviously this evening, which will undoubtedly create more information, more contacts for the police that they have to follow. And we just hope that in the forthcoming hours that there will be some answers, that finally Nicola's family will be able to get some answers as to what's happened to her. The police will continue to do their investigation and we will continue to cover this case because, you know, it's all well and good people saying, well, just let the police do it. It's really important that the story stays alive. You know, as soon as the media walk away, the story goes and, and the police can only do a certain amount. But it's the public that provide the information to the police. The public are the eyes and the ears of the police. And so the media perform a vital role in that by keeping the message going, by updating the public. And you'll be surprised that there will be still, still be people out there who have traveled that area, who may even live in the area, who don't know about the story. It has always amazes me that people who become just completely disconnected from what's going on in the media world, but continue with their normal day-to-day -day life. And it's those people who may see something and therefore media is really important. And also sometimes people see things, but they don't connect it. They don't see the relevance of it. And that's why the media is really important, just to give those little nuggets to pass that information out. For example, this morning there was a, a report going out that there was a red van being looked at. Well, people might not have thought the relevance of that. And then suddenly you get a position where you go, oh, OK, I did see a red van on that morning. Maybe not just at that area, a bit further down. And that, that was only because the media covered that story. So you can see how important it is. It's important for the family, for the story to be kept alive. So if people who are critical of the media, I'd ask you to think hard about if you were in that situation, would you want the story to still be covered? Would you want people to be appealed for? Would you want the public to come forward? I think you would. Thank you for following us. Look after yourselves and have a good rest of the day. Take care.